The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I'm Sinead Grimes-Beach. And I'm Annalyn McCord. After years spent playing best friends on screen on 90210. And fighting like hell behind the scenes. Ah, yes. How could I forget? (laughs) We made it out of our time in Young Hollywood on a show that shared names with the most iconic zip code in the world. Bonded for life, but not without a shit ton of baggage in tow. Now we are back together letting it all hang out on our new podcast, Unzipped. Tune in and unzip with us and our brilliant guests every Wednesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm Haley Hubbard, mom to three kids and wife to a touring artist. And I'm Jessica Diamond, a registered dietitian nutritionist with a master's in public health. And this is Meaningful Living. Every week, we're breaking down the overwhelming amount of parenting, nutrition, and lifestyle information into credible knowledge and simple tools. The Cliff Notes Guide to Feeling Confident in Your Everyday Choices. It takes a village. We're so excited to share ours with you. Today, we're talking about maybe one of our favorite subject matters and one that's life-changing and we couldn't be more passionate about rethinking diets, dieting, and why we should resist the really strong urge to start a diet or cleanse in the new year. You know, heading into the new year, we're just being inundated right now with fad diets and cleanses and what we must do to be healthier. But what if we told you it's actually the opposite, that those diets and cleanses really lead to us just being honestly less healthy and there's a different option. So this is such a juicy topic. And this is a conversation that you can just listen to multiple times. We love it. So we've got my dear friend and fellow dietitian nutritionist, Whitney here to help us break it down. She's a registered dietitian nutritionist. She runs her own blog and social media platform called Whitney ERD. She's got an amazing YouTube channel where she does a show called The Stitch, where she breaks down popular nutrition topics. She's the co-founder of Plant-Based Juniors, which is this amazing pediatric nutrition platform. She's an author of the book, The Plant-Based Baby and Toddler and a Mom of Two. So we're so excited for you all to meet her and hopefully we can all rethink diets this year together. And as always, you're our village. So if you enjoyed this episode, subscribe and please share it with a friend, family member, new mom and share it on socials. Your word of mouth is how we spread this podcast. Now here's our conversation with Whitney. You look so put together and I'm literally like in a fleece. (laughs) Well, let me just tell you right before this, I was in workout clothes and hadn't had breakfast and I grabbed a bag of Trader Joe's Cheetos going out the door. And so like on the way here, I was like, I threw myself together and then was eating Cheetos on the way. So that was my (laughs) breakfast at 2.30 p.m. Mom life. Intuitive eating, right? (laughs) (laughs) So let's just dive right in. Let's talk about diets. I feel like we just live in this quick fix world and just heading into the new year, literally all we're hearing about right now is the diet or the new cleanse that we should be doing and how do we basically fix ourselves to get to the destination that we're told we should be at. So let's just start with diets and cleanses. Why don't they work? (laughs) You know, Why should we rethink them? Yeah. So I think you hit the nail on the head when you said quick fix. Quick fix is right. You know, studies show that really any diet can be successful initially, but that success is always short lived. People 
always gain the weight back and then some. There was a recent meta-analysis last year and it was basically the gold standard in research. So it takes a lot of smaller studies and pools the results. And they looked at a bunch of different popular diets, keto, paleo, low-fat diets, and there was about 20,000 people included. So it was a very large study. And they found that all of the diets resulted in modest weight loss in the first six months and some improvements in cardiovascular markers like blood pressure and cholesterol levels. But by 12 months, all of the diets then failed. And then the weight had been gained back by regardless of which dietary pattern they were following. So like you said, why is that? Our bodies are biologically programmed to resist weight loss. And this is really a survival mechanism. Throughout the course of history, uh, food was scarce. And so our bodies are programmed to hold on to fat during times when we can't find food so that we can then burn our fat stores. But in our modern day society, when that is no longer a problem, it ends up turning, turning against us. So what happens is that when we lose weight, especially quickly, our bodies fight us to get that weight back. So our bodies decrease energy expenditure. That's how many calories you burn throughout the day and increase our appetite at the same time. And when you pair that with the emotional roller coaster that these restrictive diets put you on, you can see how people would easily fall off the wagon, so to speak. The second problem is that diets create this black and white mentality. You're either on the diet or you're off the diet. There is no in between. And so when you're on the diet, it's it's super restrictive. And then when you're off the diet, people usually end up overcompensating and in some cases engaging in harmful behaviors like binge eating. So it's really this dual issue of it both being against our nature but also it's the temporary unsustainable nature of diets that sets them up for failure from the start. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the emotional roller coaster. That's so true. I feel like anytime I've been on a diet, it's been like, okay, did I lose weight? And I get on the scale and I'm like, oh no, you know, it's just like this, the mental toll and the mental load of it is, is so much. And Can you speak on that? It is. I mean, both emotionally and physically, you know, it's like you spend all this time fighting your body, feeling horrible. The the word hanger has been created for a reason, because when we're trying to fight our body's natural instincts, it affects us mentally. And it's just all around an all around bad thing. Um, And like you said, yet every year it comes up again and again. It's like, it's that bad boyfriend that you just keep coming back to for some reason, because you think this time it's going to work out. Totally. And it's, and it's this, like your life is almost based on the diet, like your self-worth, your mental load, all of that comes back to either, yay, I get on the scale and I've lost all this weight and I feel really good about myself for that day. Or I thought I was losing all this weight and I get on the scale and I don't feel great and I feel really disappointed. And it ends up leading to, you know, this binging behavior, whether we have like binge eating disorder or it's just binge behavior. I think we talk about this all the time that to some degree, we all have a little bit of disordered eating. There's no way not to living in the culture that we live in. And so the fact that not only do diets not promote our overall health, but they also mess with us mentally and they don't make us feel really good. And they're not helping us be here when we're, you know, 90 years old, there, there has to be a better way to do this. Absolutely. There's just so many different factors at play. Totally. 
All right, you guys, we're going to take a quick break to talk about one of our favorite new podcasts, Once Upon a Playtime podcast. You know, we love the power of play with our kids. It's just amazing how much it builds their development and self-esteem and just sets the stage for success in life. And so sad, but these days it can be so easy to forget about the importance of just having fun with them. And that's why we've been loving the free podcast, Once Upon a Playtime. It's a show for adults and kids about the power of play, and it's so good. Something I didn't realize is that play impacts who we become as grownups, our personality, our career, and interests. And when I heard that, it had me realize that I used to play newscaster with my best friend, Joanna, growing up. And now to think that I share experiences and information as a career just shows I was really learning through play all along. Once Upon a Playtime is from the Genius of Play, a nonprofit initiative that provides families with the latest play research, expert advice, and activities for kids of all ages. It features celebrities and well-known personalities whose adult success was really shaped by their childhood playtime. The interviews are transformed into a storytime experience that you can listen to by yourself or with your kids, which is such a cool concept because I always want to find things that I enjoy as much as Bryce does. The latest episode is with Alicia Silverstone, and it was so cool to hear how play can help kids and adults express their really big feelings in a healthy way. We're telling you, tune into the Once Upon a Playtime podcast today. You and your kids will love it. Find Once Upon a Playtime where you listen to podcasts. And for more info and full transcripts of each episode, visit thegeniusofplay.org. That's Once Upon a Playtime at thegeniusofplay.org. Now let's get back to our conversation. So I'm a year postpartum. Well, I guess like 14 months. But for anyone that's wanting to lose, you know, I just want to lose those those pounds, but I want to do it in a healthy way. What would you recommend? It's always those last five to 10 pounds, right? I <laughs> can't tell you how many uh, emails I get about that and how I used to always wonder about those five to 10 pounds and always be trying the next diet to just somehow think that both mentally and physically, I would feel better if I was five to 10 pounds lighter. So let's back up for a sec. I'm also 13 months postpartum. And I would say we need to resist the urge to diet postpartum. First is because of what we talked about. One that it's just, it's going against our body's nature and it's it's probably not going to work in the long run. Mm -hmm. But the second is because postpartum is really a time for rest and recovery. Your body has been through a lot. And the last thing you want to do is physically tax it more when it's really trying to replenish itself at this time. We've got enough on our plate, so to speak, postpartum. Right. Um, the body really isn't intended to lose weight fast after you give birth. Uh, you've probably heard this before, but it took nine to 10 months for you to build this baby. It's going to take that much time and probably much longer to get back to a place where you're feeling in your skin again. And I say in your skin again versus get your body back because I really don't like that term. Our bodies change just like everything else in our world changes when we become a mom. So it's fine and it's normal to want to feel good and to feel your healthiest. But one of the first things I, I, I say to new moms is really, you kind of have to adjust your expectations of what your new normal is going to be like, just like you have to do with every other aspect of your life. Secondly, trying to diet postpartum can actually be really detrimental if you're trying to breastfeed. So 
just for so many different reasons, I, I encourage new moms to try to kind of shift their perspective and understand, you know, that you might not feel like yourself initially, and that's okay, and it's normal, and try to focus on the things that your body does versus the way that it looks. So how incredible is it that you could carry a baby? How incredible is it if you are able to, and you choose to, how it, that you can nourish a baby? that you can take care of your whole family, that you can carry one, two, three kids, you know, there's just so many amazing things that your body can do and was built to do outside of looking a certain way. And I think it's so hard postpartum because it's like when you're pregnant, that is just praised, right? You, anywhere you go, you have this growing belly and everyone's so excited to see it and be there. And then all of a sudden you have this baby and it's almost like we're expected to just go backwards. Like we're supposed to become who we used to be or look how we used to be. And it's really hard to like swallow this change. I think there's so many changes in parenthood that even though we we accept the changes, it's hard to accept them, right? Like we know that sleep is going to change and we know that now there is someone else we have to care for and our dynamic with our relationship is going to change. There's so many changes. And I think the body, we have this feeling like that's the one thing we can kind of control and get back. And and I love, I love your answer to that. So let's dive in. I get into- it. It's, it's totally normal to want, to want these things. And it, like you said, it doesn't help that we live in this aesthetically obsessed culture with celebrities and social media, all promoting this idea that moms are supposed to be looking like a Victoria's Secret angel <laughs> two weeks after giving birth. I'll just, I'll never forget. I think I, I used to be an entertainment reporter and I remember reporting on Alessandra Brosia, the Victoria's Secret angel who walked on, walked down the yearly catwalk, like two weeks after giving birth. And it's just like, we have this very warped idea of what is normal and what our body should do and should be capable of doing. What would you say to someone that isn't postpartum? That's like, I do need to lose a little weight. Where do I even begin? I would say number one, trying to shift your mentality about what eating well means. So I want to talk about a concept called intuitive eating. And I think that is really the key to finding a healthy, happy weight for you. So intuitive eating is rejecting food rules and instead focusing on your your body's internal hunger and fullness cues to drive eating. And really by doing that, your body will be able to find its natural, its natural place. So instead of focusing on the things that you shouldn't eat and how much you should eat, intuitive eating really relies on your body telling you how and when to eat based on how it feels. And I I know this sounds like a kind of crazy concept. Um, The first response you get from most people is like, well, if I'm asking my body what, how, and what I want to eat, I want to eat donuts and I want to eat a lot of them. And initially that can, (laughs) that can be the case when we're really out of tune with our body's uh, hunger and fullness signals. But the more you practice it, the more you recalibrate your body and you start to learn and trust it and fuel it with foods that are going to nourish it and help you find that happy, healthy weight. There is this feeling when we're so out of touch, when we have been dieting nonstop, when foods are good versus bad, right? When the cookie has been bad for so long, once we tell our body that it's good, a lot of times we have a hard time balancing eating that, right? Like it's that kind of binge idea that we thought of before, but 
with this intuitive eating approach, there's this ability to start recognizing your hunger and fullness cues. So really what is intuitive eating? What's mindful eating? What are they? Yeah. So mindful eating is a subset of intuitive eating. Intuitive eating, kind of like I said before, is really this I, this approach to eating that throws out traditional food rules and instead focuses on driving your food behaviors based on how your body feels using your intuition. That's how intuitive kind of came into the, into the title. And um, that starts with really listening to your body. So instead of things like portion sizes and calorie counting and this food or that food, we are looking at food and we're assessing what food is going to nourish my body. What food is going to make me feel good? What food do I want? So taking into account personal preferences and using those to drive your food choice. And mindful eating, like I said, is a, is a subcategory. So mindful eating involves all of these different strategies to help us connect with our hunger and fullness cues more. So it's about getting away from really distracted eating. The best description of distracted eating, I would say, is when you grab a snack and you sit in front of the TV and you're plowing it down and all of a sudden you look down and the entire bag's gone and you're like, what happened here? Where did the whole bag of chips go? I have no idea. It didn't even register in my brain because you were distracted while you're eating. So mindful eating involves techniques like plating your food, always sitting down at a table, um, removing distractions like your cell phone, computer. It also in, involves kind of setting the scene to make eating a more pleasurable experience. So putting on ambient music, having a conversation with friends, setting a nice table, um, all things to enhance your eating experience and to really bring your presence to the plate. And by doing so, the idea is that that will help you become a more intuitive eater and make more intuitive choices, make more thoughtful and intentional choices about your food versus kind of just grabbing whatever happens to be on hand, whatever's free, and then eating it in a distracted state. <laughs> and Haley's laughing. I don't know. She wants to share what happened before the podcast. So the Cheetos, as I was driving to the podcast would not be mindful eating. <laughs> so that is a perfect example of the opposite of mindful eating. <laughs> uh, but actually, this is a really good example to kind of tie it back into where you're saying a lot. Intuitive eating gets a bad rap. So there's kind of two schools of thought right now. There's people who think that intuitive eating is the new way, the anti-diet approach that can help people make better food choices. And then there's a, a lot of people, and I would say they're kind of more stuck in the old school way of thinking that if you drop the food rules, if you stop calorie counting or counting macros or having good and bad food rules, that you won't be able to control yourself. And it, it is counterintuitive, but once you start doing it, you actually realize how, how the whole thing works because the food rules never worked in the first place. If we circle right. back to the beginning of our conversation, the food rules will work maybe for a little bit until you lose your so-called willpower, which is a ridiculous word to describe dieting in the first place. It's actually going against our body's nature. So they only, they, it doesn't actually work. So there has to be another way. And what clients realize is that when you actually give yourself permission to eat foods that you both like and will nourish your body, you start to make decisions for both of those reasons. So 
I'll give you an example. I used to have a very disordered relationship with food. And I think Jess said, you know, we all have somewhat disordered relationships with food, but I followed a lot of food rules. I followed a lot of diets. I was always trying to lose those last five pounds. And what that looked like was I would go to lunch. And even though I wanted a sandwich or a wrap or something with bread, because I absolutely love bread, I had this idea that bread and carbs were bad. And that's a whole discussion for another episode about why that's inaccurate. But I would get a salad instead. And fast forward an hour or so later, I'd be, I'd be starving because I didn't listen to my body's hunger and fullness cues. I didn't take my preferences into account. And that would end up usually leading me to the break room at work where I would distractedly eat the first starchy food I could find, which was a cookie or a cupcake. Then the food rules would come down on me hard, telling me that I was a bad, I was bad for doing that. I, I didn't have the willpower to stick to my diet. And the cycle would just continuously replay. Intuitive eating looks something like going in, going into lunch, either planning the night before to make yourself a meal that includes bread because it's nourishing to your body and you know it's going to help you have a satisfying lunch. And then also having the salad because that's also nourishing to your body. And then feeling satisfied after your meal so that you can make thoughtful decisions about your food at the next meal. And if that means including a cookie, good. But maybe also you'll feel so satisfied because you didn't deprive yourself of other foods at the previous meal that you choose to have something else or to, or to wait until dinner. Um, it's really about regaining control instead of losing control, which is what a lot of people will accuse intuitive eating of. <laughs> All right, you guys, we're going to take a quick break to talk about one of our favorite things, Ritual Vitamins. If you've been here for a while or listened for a while or follow us, you've heard us talk about Ritual because we're obsessed with their vitamins and still can't believe they're a sponsor of ours. And so for listeners of our show, Ritual is giving you an awesome discount. So here's the deal. Gaps in our diet shouldn't be ignored. Nutrition is important. And this is the perfect episode to talk about vitamins. Over 97% of women aged 19 to 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet. And 95% are not getting their recommended intake of omega-3s. But with that being said, it just can feel really hard to figure out what vitamins we actually need. Actually, I'd say one of the biggest questions I get is which vitamins do you take and trust? And Ritual is one of them. Their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin was made by exhaustive research to fill in the nutrient gaps of women ages 18 and older. It's formulated with the nutrients needed to help support brain health and bone health, blood health, and provide antioxidant support. It is so good. I've been recommending their vitamins for years, and I started taking Rituals prenatals when I was pregnant or getting in the process of getting pregnant with Bryce. And it's amazing. And I recently switched over to the multivitamin because I'm clearly out of the postpartum phase right now. And it is so great. You all know I'm so picky when it comes to vitamins and supplements and even pickier now after what I've gone through because the ingredients and nutrients really matter. Ritual has no shady stuff. They're committed to third-party testing from USP and the non-GMO project traceable and vegan-friendly ingredients, and always clear communication, and I tolerate them so well. Let's start the new year off right with our health. Right now, Ritual is offering our listeners 10% off your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash living and turn healthy habits into a ritual. That's 10% off at ritual.com slash living. Now let's get back to our conversation.
It really makes sense to me because I've been living it since having kids. I also never had a healthy relationship with food growing up. Well, I should say in my teen years and into my like early 20s. And then I stopped caring as much, but I still cared. And of course, I still care a little bit. But you know, before I had kids, I was like, I want to do this differently for my kids, as we all do with so many things. But I was like, how how do I do it differently? And of course, I met Jess and Jess is, is helping me learn how to do this differently for my kids and keep all foods neutral. And you know, all the little things that I'm teaching my kids, I'm realizing, okay, I'm teaching them to be intuitive eaters, but I'm really adopting this mindset too. And I, it's so amazing to actually watch the transformation that's happened in the last five years because I eat when I'm hungry now and I, I don't eat as much as I used to. I feel like I would just like, I don't even know what I did before, but it, that kind I of just, all or nothing mentality, right? Right. You're either eating nothing or eating everything in sight. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so, yeah, I would make cookies and then I'd eat the whole thing. Now cookies sit on our counter for a whole week straight and then <laughs> no one eats them. And I'm like, whoa, this is so different from, you know, previous years. And even my kids, we had for Thanksgiving, we had a cake out, we had a pie out and we had two tiers of cookies just because of everything. And they it sat there for a week and the kids didn't go for it. Like we put a little cookie with each dinner, but seriously, it, I was amazed at how it just sat there. It's and incredible. so I feel like that's that was such a good example to me of like, wow, this is working. I love to hear it. And I think anyone who's a little skeptical about this, I would say, just try it. What's it going to hurt? You know, I'm sure anyone who's interested in it probably has years of yo-yo dieting under their belt. Consider this one more experiment. Give it a try. You'll be amazed to see what can happen because it's really hard to wrap your head around the idea until you've actually done it, especially as a dietitian who, you know, was really taught to, to use a lot of these quantitative methods to drive eating. So, you know, counting, counting calories, you can have this many per day restricting yourself. The idea of trying to listen to your body seems so counterintuitive. It really seems like it, it won't work. Exactly. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more, Whitney. And so let's go into kind of some practical tips. So practical tips on people wanting to make kind of healthier, quote unquote, healthier choices, want to adopt intuitive eating. Where do they start? What can people do heading into the new year? Sure. I would say, number one, if you're really interested, pick up the book, Intuitive Eating. Um, it was by the two dietitians who coined this term, Evelyn Triboli and Elise Rush. It was, I think, I don't know, 15 years old or so now, but it is the premier book on intuitive eating. They have a workbook as well. So you can actually do exercises and learn a little bit more about it. But the first thing that um, you'll probably do is to try to reconnect those hunger and fullness cues. That is really just the, the foundation for intuitive eating. So the hungerfulness scale is a scale from one to 10 of how hungry or full you are. So if when you're at a zero, that's you're starving, you're in physical pain because you're so hungry, or actually the pain may have even numbed because you've haven't eaten in so long, or a 10 would be where you're so full that you're physically uncomfortable. And we always want to stay... Meal. 
Exactly. <laughs> and so the goal is to always remain between about a three and a seven. So a few hours after a meal, we want you at about a three where you're actually hungry. Maybe you're starting to get some hunger pains. And then when you eat your meal that you're reaching about a seven, you're comfortably full, but you're feeling like you're ready to stop. And the best way to do that would be to kind of keep a journal for a couple of days, maybe even just one day to start. And every time you're about to eat, write down a number of where you think you're feeling on this hunger fullness scale. And it's going to be odd at first, and you're probably going to get it wrong. And the more you do it, the more you kind of learn about yourself. So I would say to keep track before a meal, maybe about 20 minutes into a meal, and then right after a meal. And, and do this without judgment, because like I said, intuitive eating is not something that just works overnight. It's something that works the more work you put into it, the more you learn about it. So try this for a couple of days, and that can really help you to start reconnecting with those hunger and fullness cues and learning about what intuitive eating can offer you. You, you might learn that you're often getting yourself down to a one or a two where you're so hungry that you really don't have the opportunity to make a thoughtful decision about what you're eating. Or you may find that you kind of have this last meal mentality at a certain meal of the day where you, where you feel like you need to keep eating a certain amount because you're not sure when you're going to eat next. Um, and so it really can just help lend some insight into your, into your dietary patterns. Another really practical tip that I, that I encourage people to try is instead of employing food rules about what you shouldn't eat, I don't call this a rule, but like a strategy would be looking at every meal and asking, what can I add to this plate? So what is something that I know would help make this more nourishing and more satisfying to me? And this is a little bit getting into nutrition, but whenever we balance our plates appropriately with, with foods that complement each other, we're able to stay more satisfied from a meal. And that will in turn help you be a more mindful eater at the next meal. So every plate, we want to see some sort of protein on the plate. We want to see some fat and we want to see something with fiber. Those are the three things that really drive satiety. So instead of sitting down and saying, I shouldn't have bread at this meal, which again is a crazy diet rule that's completely incorrect about health and everything and weight and everything else, look at the plate and say, what's missing from this plate that's going to make me feel more satisfied. If it is a salad, should I add a piece of whole grain bread, which is going to add fiber and then also add that pleasure? Is there uh, any vegetables on the plate? Would a piece of fruit complement this plate? Can I add some nut butter? Can I add some avocado? And that's just a really easy strategy, a positive one that I think can make a big impact in the short term and long term. That was our initial connection, Haley, right? Was that, when was. She, that was. Oh she my was gosh, I was pregnant and I was meeting with Jess to get nutrition help. Like, all right, what do I do? And I was like, gosh, I'm meeting with this dietitian from LA. She's going to tell me to only eat kale. (laughs) I love kale, but like right now I'm pregnant and all I eat is pizza and quesadillas. And so she came into the, to our hotel room and, and I was like, so I eat pizza and quesadillas every day. And she was like, that's okay. Just eat a salad with with each one. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love it, Jess. (laughs) Like it can be fun and, and I can still have my cake and eat it too a little bit. Totally. Exactly. You can have it all. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. And I think like to add about the weight aspect is that say you're listening right now and you're like a hundred pounds, 150 pounds over where kind of what you feel your ideal weight is. 
it's not that intuitive eating is going to make everyone look like a supermodel, but really what it actually does is get you back to what the healthy weight, the healthy place for your body is. And everyone is different. What that looks like is different for everyone, but it is this strategy where it's not weight is the end goal. It's where are you actually supposed to be? Like nature wise, what is a healthy place for your body to be? That's what intuitive eating can get you to something that's sustainable long-term, helping your insides, helping your outsides, and really freeing your brain from just this overload of this good versus bad and thinking about your next meal and just constantly ruminating about where you are if you're feeling good or bad about it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The stress of that is a lot. I was laughing with someone the other day. I was like, I'm trying not to eat cheese right now because I've really overdone it on the cheese lately and the dairy. And and I was kind of coming down with the cold and I'm like, I know that that's not good for all of that stuff. And so I was like, I've got to quit. But the second I tell myself I need to stop eating cheese, like that's all I'm going to eat is cheese. This is all I can think about. <laughs> totally. Exactly. And it's kind of ironic, you know, that dieting creates all this stress for us. And then we also know that stress can lead to weight gain. It's really about finding balance, making peace and finding the right thing for you versus trying to follow this uh, society driven idea of what what an ideal diet or an ideal body should look like. I love this. I love this conversation, Whitney. I, I adore you. And I just hope that any listener listening, join us this year. Let's rethink diets. Let's not do cleanses. Let's let's become a healthier version of us. Like let's do this in a way that's going to help us be here for our kids, model these behaviors for our kids so that they don't grow up with this kind of disordered eating mentality. And I think it's one of the best gifts we can do for ourselves and for our families. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you found something meaningful from this episode. Please follow the show, rate, and don't hesitate to write a little review. We also have a voicemail box you can call to ask us any questions, tell us the topics you'd like covered, or just share where you're struggling and how you could use some extra support. Call 833-444-FULL or 833-444-3855. We want to hear from you. And tune in every Monday for a new episode of Meaningful Living. And if you're looking for more ways to live a meaningful life, follow us on Instagram at Meaningful Living and visit our website, MeaningfulLiving.com. And don't forget with two L's. Can't wait to see you next week.